Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The federal government is uh, has been acting illegal, illegally for a long period of time, for six years under this act, and they've been increasingly emboldened. I think they felt that they would get away with this, and therefore they could keep on digging into provincial jurisdiction. They're going to have to recalibrate now. What this act has done and many other uh, initiatives of the federal government have done is really try to uh, circumvent uh, the very constitution that uh, that is, is so important to, to this country uh, and most certainly um, circumvent uh, some of the provincial jurisdiction that that constitution protects. The Prairie Province premiers, both on this program this weekend, today was Danielle Smith, the uh, premier of Alberta yesterday, Scott Moe, the premier of Saskatchewan, clearly... Um, Quite um, satisfied, surprised, but satisfied with the Supreme Court of Canada's 5-2 decision that the federal government was overreaching its constitutional powers with its Impact Assessment Act or the No More Pipelines Act. Unconstitutional and infringing on the constitutionally guaranteed provincial rights of resource development, said the Supreme Court of Canada, the progressive Supreme Court of Canada. What a surprise. As I said, uh, Tom Korski is with us, executive editor of Black Locks Reporter at Mining Ottawa. Tom, I said the tantrum at the cabinet table Thursday must have been a beauty to see. It's funny, you know, they were so confident, though, Roy. This is interesting. They were so confident of a win that they set out a background, or they called it hilarious, a fact sheet to reporters the evening before the Supreme Court ruling. This is the cabinet did this. Oh. And in their fact sheet, it talked about uh, this was much better than Harper, and all Harper did was wind up getting tied up in the courts. And they were uh, they had lined up the ministers of natural resources and environment to speak to reporters. That does not happen with run-of-the-mill Supreme Court judgments. I think they were caught off guard, Roy. I thought they had a win. That's what they think they, they had. Otherwise, you wouldn't go to the trouble. No, you wouldn't. I, I was sure they were surprised, and that's why I thought, you know, when, when the Supreme Court decision came down, they were probably all sitting together with the champagne ready to be uncorked. And whoops. It, it, it ruined. It, it, they ruined everything. They did. You know, Roy, I, I'm not a constitutional lawyer. Five provinces at the, at the time yep. testified in parliamentary hearings. Yeah against that bill, C-69. As soon as half the provinces walk out the door, you know you're in some trouble. But instead, they doubled down. Uh, 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 consensus is dead in this country. I, it's, uh, on Parliament Hill, they treat consensus as something for losers. The talking to opponents and trying to work something out is seen as a sign of weakness, and here we are. And here we are. Now, talking about... Talking about uh, I was looking at your uh, at your uh, post on uh, at Mining Ottawa. Definition of terrorist is a legal list of entities. It's not a subjective willy-nilly term based on anyone's feelings. It's a direction from Parliament. CBC memo instructs journalists not to refer to terrorists. Now, Tom, I had a let's call it debate with a former head of CBC News a few years ago. On this very point, and he was lecturing me on style, and he was mentioning the New York Times and the Washington Post, as I suppose I was supposed to genuflect at that point. 
And I pointed out to him, I asked him questions. So if somebody commits murder, is he a murderer? Of course, he could see what was coming, right? So there was a, uh, there was, there was an unhappy pause. <laughs> and then I heard... Those are the worst guys. Yeah, yeah. And then I heard, well, yes. So if somebody commits an act of terror, why isn't that person a terrorist? And it went downhill from there. I think by the time we were done, he was, he was congratulating me on my show. <laughs> You know, Roy, this is in uh, our country. Uh, Parliament prescribes that list, and it has a very definite legal meaning. Why, why would Parliament do that? It's a direction to a federal agency called the Financial Transactions Reports Analysis Center, and they get millions of reports from banks, credit unions, casinos, realtors, diamond brokers every single day. And if you are caught doing business with anyone on that blacklist, you're in trouble. You are subject to half-million-dollar fines. It's not a joke. So I don't know what CBC management, if they want to stare at their shoes or the map or a thesaurus and come up with different synonyms. When Parliament says Hamas is a terrorist organization, that's a direction to every banker in the country. So, so why, why is this suddenly complicated for them? I'm not a sociologist, Roy. But when we call Hamas terrorists, that's a direction from Parliament. Good enough for me, that's the voice of the people. Mm -hmm. The point that was made was uh, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And I said, all right, give it up. Yeah, no. Just give it up. They don't understand. It's, Just it's a legal, it it's a statutory list. These aren't, you know, nouns that Parliament makes up for their own amusement. Yeah. So if I'm a member of the... Uh, Boy Scouts, I don't get my bank account frozen, and I can deal in cash at, at my branch. But if I'm in with Hamas, I'm in huge trouble. There's no, there's a, quite a bit of daylight between those two positions. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But you can't outthink those who aren't thinking. Um, well, yeah, true. So if I were to say these words, and I will, I'd like your response. I am a... Busy woman. Really? That's an unfortunate phrase, Roy, and I strongly advise you <laughs> not to say that. But the Minister of Foreign Affairs said that. She was at a news conference and apparently feeling peevish and irritated. There was criticism that Cabinet's response to the terrorist attacks against Israelis a week ago Saturday was slow and inept. There was criticism that the uh, well-staffed embassy uh, that we have in Israel did not help Canadians who wanted to get their babies out of a war zone in a moment of crisis and fear. And they're citizens, too, and they were entitled to the backing of their government. And Foreign Minister Jolie was being, in my opinion, mildly hectored at a news conference and said, quote-unquote, I'm a busy woman. She went on to say that I'm Minister of Foreign Affairs now, and there's all these foreign affairs things happening. Foreign affairs are breaking out all over the world. We had an evacuation in Ukraine, and now another one from Israel. What's up with that? And she made an important kind of a rookie mistake, right? This is, this is just my experience in the private sector, but I think this applies 
to the janitor who cleans the foreign affairs building every night or the kids working in the drive-thru at the McDonald's. No one gives a damn about your feelings. <laughs> they really just want results. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, she's, she's made some unusual decisions and some unusual comments from time to time. And uh, I've spoken with uh, Canadians who were in Israel and are absolutely outraged at the inept response they had or non-response they had when they tried to contact Canadian authorities. Well, we're, t we're, we're not working this weekend. Sorry? No, no, we're not working. No, we're not working this weekend. You know, Roy, I, I'm not an expert in Mideast affairs, but they are. I don't know where the Air Canada counter is at David Ben-Gurion Airport. But they, but they do. do. That's their job. If they are literally paid to go to the airport, stand at the closed Air Canada counter with a sign that says, if you are Canadian and if you want to get home right now, you follow me because I know just what to do. There will be an RCAF plane landing. It's going to be in 36 hours. You can stay at this hotel. Everything's going to be fine. Spud's on the job. The Department of Foreign Affairs is, in and, and my opinion, hobbled by this element of exceptionalism that makes their incompetence really hard to take. Roy, they don't do this at the Environment Canada Weather Office. No forecast this weekend. Pretty busy. Couldn't be in. Who does that? But they do. Yeah. I received an email from a listener yesterday, and she said that uh, she lived overseas for a number of years. And as expats, they were advised by the Canadian government that they should acquaint themselves with the quickest route to the Canadian consular office. Their advice from other expats who'd been there longer was, forget about that. Memorize the route to the American embassy. They'll help the you. British? I, I, or I remember when we worked in China. The, the word was, if you're in a spot of trouble... Call the British or call the Australians. I'm, I'm not making that up. Yeah, I've heard that many times. It was a horrible uh, weather event, floods, and uh, about 20 years ago in uh, Southeast Asia. And I've had trouble. I should have looked it up last night, and I didn't. Um, but the people were losing everything. Their clothes were being torn from their bodies. They had nothing. And they went to the uh, Canadian Canadians went to the Canadian embassy, and they were asking for visas, and they were asked for money. They didn't have anything. They they needed a pair of pants, uh, a jacket, a shirt, a shoes. No, no visa, no money, no visa. So they went to the Americans. The Americans said, "We'll clothe you, we'll feed you, we'll fly you home." Of course, but there's. There was no, you have to, number one, you'd have to get a pants requisition form. <laughs> That's got to be filled out in triplicate. Rome wasn't built in a day, Roy. Apparently pants weren't sewn in a day either. Okay, cheer us up here. What's going on with uh, bracing for payment shock uh, for homeowners? Cheer us up, Tom. <laughs> cheer us up. <laughs> this is not going to cheer you up, is Canada's chief bank inspector, his name is Peter Rutledge, superintendent of financial institutions. His job is to keep an eye on the banks to make sure they are safe so your money is safe. There's one thing that worries uh, Superintendent Rutledge. He said this many times, and he said it again on uh, at the end, end of this past week. They're called fixed payment variable rate mortgages. You're aghast. Why would banks even sell these? And it's what it sounds like. 
fixed payments are under your contract. You will pay a certain much a month. But it's a variable rate, which means very quickly when interest rates rise, as they have 10 times, your mortgage may start to go underwater. You're paying nothing against the principal. And unless your house is appreciating to keep pace with inflation, you're headed for very serious trouble. And if there's a whole street of you, now your bank's in trouble. How much? Variable rate fixed payment mortgages, about a quarter trillion dollars. Superintendent Rutledge is saying, watch out. As soon as every single one of those contracts comes up for renewal, big trouble. I have to do something. I have to work on this. I was in Florida. I run the great, what do we call it? The great recession hit? Oh, the big panic in 2008. Yeah, yeah, I was in Florida and people were literally, the, the kind ones, were just walking away from their homes and their condos and putting their keys under the, under, the, under the mat and just walking away. And when I was down there, Tom, you could buy, uh, and we looked at it, you could buy a condo, we were in Naples, you could buy a condo on the inland waterway with a boat, fully, you know, turnkey, um, beautiful place. Eighty, eighty, or $90,000. Uh, Roy, this happened, I remember this in Alberta, 81, 82, 83, um, and that was not oceanfront. Uh, they were called dollar mortgages, and that was it. People would uh, sell their home for a dollar just to get out from under what they owed, throw the keys on the lawn and drive away. That, the legislature later outlawed that. Uh, because that's what happens every single day you stay in that property, you get poorer. Yeah. And people will say, we have to cut our losses. Tears, you put the kids in the car, you drive away off into the sunset. Yeah, it's terrible when you see it. It is. And I've been saying this for some time. I can see the, the, the surrender signs already going up in my neighborhood. When I'm out in the car or taking the bike on for a ride, uh, I see the for sale signs on the lawns much more. And, and increasingly so. There's more and more of them all the time. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a those disturbing. Are really, those are people, they don't have any choice, right? They don't. And this is what happens. You would put that off as long as you can. Yep. So you're dealing now with transfers, death, divorce, life change, where you have to sell the property. Oh, it's not good. If the superintendent of banks is staying up at night, it, it's time to stay up at night. Yes. yes, indeed. But kids are going to have lunch. And... Uh, See, I see a photograph at Minding Ottawa, uh, Black Locks reporter, of a clearly enthusiastic <laughs> prime minister dealing with his intellectual equals. Well, he's with a room full of school children, smiling with his mouth open. Well, who doesn't enjoy that? I mean, <laughs> everyone likes that, Roy. That's what I said. School lunch program in 2024, uh, they've promised this seven times. National school food policy, they call it. How much will it cost, they won't say. And this is essentially the what now operates as the breakfast club, using volunteers in every province in one form or another. All 10 provinces and territories uh, have variations of this program. The cabinet has promised this for years, and we see in a memo from the Department of Social Development that would run it, that they really, really mean it this time, and that would be in 2024. Now, common has been said about, okay, what happens in 2024 again? Oh, I know. We're in the pre-election cycle. Exactly. But, uh, this is a case where we'll believe it when we see it, uh, Roy, because these are very expensive programs. And as you and I have discussed, none of these programs are funded. It's all borrowed money. Yep. It's all borrowed money. I love the fact that kids are getting food because we know that 1.8 million of them are facing uh, 
food shortages in this country on a daily basis. So I'm, I love the fact they're getting food. But it just this photograph and the whole presence, you know, the photo op is just so smarmy. Absolutely smart. Hey, um, Tom, Pharmacare. So uh, Meet Singh and the NDP are not happy with the Liberals' progress. I spoke with Tasha Carradine two weeks ago on this program, and she pointed out that in New Zealand, where they've had Pharmacare for quite a number of years, because they're, they're, they're not putting a tremendous amount of money in it, the pharmaceutical companies are not putting their best products on the market in, uh, in New Zealand. So of 302 new products, like cancer drugs, new groundbreaking cancer drugs, New Zealand out of 302 got 17. It's a complicated program, and it costs a lot of money. What does the budget office say? They say it'll cost about $11 billion a year, but it'll save you about 20% on average of listed drugs and will promote use of generics. There's no doubt, Roy, like Medicare itself, for the average person with an average prescription need, this program, especially if it was fully funded and not with borrowed money, makes a lot of sense. Another aspect, though, to speaking to your point, and you see this with Denicare. Denicare program, essentially, if you were uh, in a household under, uh, uh, let's say, $70,000 a year, there was a, an escalation. Can you, can you do this in 20 seconds, Tom? Absolutely. Go. You know what the problem is? If you have a company plan, there's a prob- there's a, every chance your company's going to drop your plan. And there is a valid criticism when people say, I will lose my company plan and get a worse government plan. That's something to watch for. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.